Welcome to Cry Mom Prime Time. And I'm here with my best friend who's back from a month of traveling and not recording. <laughs> it's Malik. And, and the best part is that Malik, in this whole month off, has. Can, can we announce your big news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to announce it? I'm engaged. Or how He's does that engaged. Work? <laughs> Our boy's engaged. I'm a big kid now. The first of the six. Oh, yeah, that's true. I am the first one. Yeah. You are the first one. We all took bets. I think you were some people's bet. Huh. I do remember taking bets. I don't remember who I picked. I think I picked either you or Taylor. Nice. But congratulations. Gracias, gracias. Did she see it coming? Was it a total surprise? Nah, she, it was a surprise. She talked crap about Disney proposals. <laughs> Did you propose in the park or just in mm -hmm. Florida? In the park? In the park, yeah. So the one that we posted actually isn't where we did it at. That was like the reenactment photo. <laughs> Y'all reenactment. Yeah, it was at Epcot at night. At um, so you know what Epcot is right, kind of like how you can go through different worlds. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've and heard. we did it in Japan. Oh, so not in but in the front of the big castle where like mm -hmm. everyone else. Yeah, I don't see how people do that. There's too many people like that would literally be watching you. Yeah, there. Yeah. I I don't see how people do that, but no, ours was kind of like by ourselves in in Japan. It was pretty cool. If I can find the video, I'll find the video. I'll show you. Did her sisters film it? Were they there? Yeah, her sisters filmed it. Nice. That's it's so just cool. dark, but it was a lot cooler as far as like the moment wise. Yeah. That's so cool. How was the rest of Thanksgiving in Florida? You spent it in Florida. Never. I recommend no one ever, ever go to Disney during Thanksgiving. Is it that busy? It's that busy. And they did like the, that's when they do like the cheerleader, all American cheer parade thing. Too many, too many people there. Too many cheerleaders. But that's why you went, right? Was Yeah, that's the whole reason I was sister. there. Yeah. Yeah, don't recommend it. Wait until after and then go. Do you think there was more or less people during the summer, though? During that specific time that we were there, probably more. That's what really? the, one of the guys told us. He was like, it was probably one of the busiest times of the, wow. of the year. Because it's they, they basically skip Thanksgiving. They just do straight Christmas. Like They do the Thanksgiving tour thing, and then everything after that is Christmas. That'd but be pretty there, cool. Yeah, we went there. The trees and stuff were already up. Screw Thanksgiving. They just share Christmas. <laughs> They're like, no one puts up Thanksgiving decorations. We're going, we're Disney. Yes. So it's like the tip off for all their Christmas stuff. I bet their Christmas stuff's kind of cool. But they have it, like a Christmas parade. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And honestly, I don't, yeah, just don't go on Thanksgiving because Magic okay. Kingdom was, it was bad. It, I thought of it as like, I've never been in New York, but you know, people say it's, very nuts about walking down the street i thought it was like that maybe maybe worse yeah it might have been worse that's in, that's crazy Thank yeah i've God. never had the desire to i don't hate disney i've just never been like i need to go to disney 
the Star Wars stuff, that's worth it. But I'm that's not, yeah. And Epcot, that's worth it too for adults. I would say that's pretty cool. Okay. To see, to see like the all the different countries, they did that part right. <laughs> Duly noted. Well, I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving. We're entering our Christmas era. See. And actually, this was like well timed. Okay, again, it's a random number generator I pull episodes from, and we just so happened to pull a Christmas episode. Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you did that on purpose. I did not do that on purpose. I picked that that or random number generated that episode a long time ago. And then just here recently I put together that All is Bright is probably a Christmas episode. And I was like, perfect timing. Can't do I, it any better. I know. I bet I can't go four for four for the four weeks leading up to Christmas. I doubt it. But who but knows? It'd be so cool. <laughs> Maybe the generator knows. If it, the generator has its own Christmas spirit. All right, so we watched NCIS Los Angeles season nine, episode 11. All is bright. We have not watched NCIS Los Angeles. This is a new episode for us or new TV show. What did you think? I didn't like it. You didn't like it? No, I didn't like it, but I watched it. Like I said, I don't know if it was because I wasn't feeling too good or if it really was just, like, hard to follow. I don't know what it was. Maybe I'm hope, I'm assuming it's just because I wasn't feeling too good. But I wasn't the biggest fan. And there's a lot going on that didn't, I feel like didn't have to do with the actual story itself. I feel like there was a lot of backstory. Yeah, maybe that's why. In this episode, like, a lot of – I have no idea who this Finn kid is. I used to watch NCIS LA with my mom, like, weekly. I don't know what season I stopped on, but it was sure before this. And so even I was kind of like, I don't know who half these characters are. I don't know what half of them are talking about. It wasn't my favorite episode. And maybe it's the Christmas one, so they were just trying to make it more fun than serious. But yeah, it wasn't my favorite episode either. Okay, good. Just make sure, as long as I'm not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone. Alright, so let's jump into this recap. Let's see if I remember. Okay, so again, for our listeners, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, I keep saying I'm going to do better about this. And I'm just not doing better. But I did that thing, again, that I've done the past two weeks, where I watched the episode while running. So I don't take notes, and, and then I it's a mess. So, thankfully, Malik watched it this morning, and he's going to carry us through this I'm, review. I'm going to try, but it starts off with... They're trying to like decorate for their Christmas party thing. Oh, that's number one about this show that I noticed. What the hell is their office in? What is that? It's like a abandoned mansion or something. I don't know. I not even like. I don't even know. You know how like NCS New Orleans like it's styled 
mm-hmm. like into New Orleans. That style doesn't really make sense to me because why as cops would you be hanging out in a house? Why yeah. not a headquarter? I it don't, literally it looks like even it. like California. Like California doesn't have a certain <laughs> style. Yeah, I don't. It literally looked like just like an abandoned mansion to me, and they just start to like work out of I don't know, like it's Maybe. supposed to be hidden or something. We're secretly into us. I guess I don't know. I, yeah, I really don't know. But either way, like so they were trying to decorate for Christmas or something. Um, no, they, and Sam. Yeah, that's their names, and then Mosley is their captain, right? I guess she's new to me. I'm used to um, Heidi, 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 the little short lady that looks like she should be the lady from The Incredibles. Edna. Wow. She looks like the real life version of Edna from The Incredibles. She was there when I was I was watching, and she was very wise. I don't know who Mosley. I guess she's in charge. I don't know. I don't know. Mostly, I guess, is the Grinch. She didn't want them to decorate very much. But, and then there's, like, some backstory behind that. But obviously, this is my first time watching it, so I don't know the backstory. No, I don't know either. But she hates Christmas, so we hate her. In the end, what happens after that? Skipping through some of the, the backstory stuff, because then they start talking about the couple. Well, the lights blow. Here. Yeah, the lights blow. The lights blow on their Christmas tree. Or whatever they're trying to put up. And then all the lights in the building go out. And they think they flipped a breaker. But really, it was a power outage in the city of Los Angeles. An intentional power outage. An intentional power outage. (laughs) Not accidental. Yeah. And then they figure out that it may potentially be this guy that hacked the system. Right? They go to the... The power place, Sam and mm-hmm. not Sam, Eric. Eric and Nell are the one decorating. Sam yeah. is LL Cool J. And so Sam and Eric go to the power company and they're like, tell us about it. And that guy was kind of defensive and was like, it's not on our end, buddy. And they're like, it sure is, buddy. I think that's how I remember it. I could be wrong. No, nah, he was being like, kind of defensive he was also saying like they were asking if anyone was being weird and he was saying hey man i basically work with nerds we're all weird yeah you're gonna have to be more specific on what type of weirdness you're looking for (laughs) and then they were like terrorists or something (laughs) and he's like oh yeah this one guy yeah he's like oh this one guy could be a terrorist (laughs) it's like oh you didn't start there like they said terrorists and that you came up with a name that fast and that's not where you started. Like you put up this whole defense that no one could be, could have done this in your company. And they're like, well, it could have been a terrorist. And you're like, well, this one guy in our company. Yeah. He's like, which, which weirdos do you want me to, which weirdos like are we talking about? You should have just started. Obviously you knew you had a suspicion. Just start there. What's with the winning questions? Now it so, makes me wonder what kind of people really do work there. I know. <laughs> I feel like they just got a bad rap in this TV show. So, um, then Deeks and Kinsey get on the go to, 
like interview that guy that they threw under the bus and he lives with his mom and the mom was like she obviously knew something was up and was trying to hide it yeah she's a horrible liar (laughs) she is i forgot what lie did she tell she said like she said like he hasn't done anything um as of lately or i don't know she put emphasis on the fact that he hasn't done anything illegal for no reason yeah i forgot what lie like started it or how she got there but she definitely put like emphasis on the fact that he hadn't done anything and then she made sure to say that she hadn't done anything illegal yeah she was bad and then he like took off running and she would like kind of was trying to follow him this lady is like it's not just some teenager and his mom. It's like some 30, 40 year old and his mom who has like a cane. And is like, he is so, such a good boy. So Don't they chase him. him. <laughs> they chase him into a nativity scene and arrest him. And they take him back to interview him. And he basically says someone paid him. Like he. I mean, he, mm-hmm. of course he, he turned back. He copped to it, yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, someone paid me to do it. This wasn't my idea. And there was something weird about it. Didn't he say, like, yeah, oh, I don't they, um, So they, he stole $20 million, but he did it for 20000 So they convinced him to steal the $20 million for whatever, and they were going to pay him out of the $20 million, 20000 so he could pay his bills. That's he a stupid deal. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. That's a bad business deal right there. They got the people who got him to do this. They got him good. Yeah. They I got think, a good deal. Quick math. I think that's literally 1%. That's not even enough to maybe pay your bill for something like this. If you did, you got to at least make it worth it if you're going to get caught. It's not even 1%. It's less than half of 1%. That's crazy. He's dumb. I just feel like when you get into this situation where it's like, I will pay you to do something illegal, you have to go, okay, if I get caught, how much money is it worth it to go to jail? Like, at what, what's the risk? How much am I willing to risk it for? $20,000? No deal. Not to go yeah. to jail. Because I don't, I don't know what the number is, but I'm pretty sure after about 20000 it doesn't matter. You're going to jail for the same amount of time either way. So you might yeah, as well get I some mean, more out of it. At least enough to pay your bail. That cannot be enough to pay bail. <laughs> hire a lawyer. You can't hire a lawyer with that. He sucks. You got to at least make it worth it so that if you do get caught, you can at least afford these things to maybe get uncaught. So, this dumbass. So, he ratted really fast, obviously, because, like, he didn't get paid enough to keep his mouth shut. Um, And then he tells them it was a girl that pays him, right? Mm -hmm. They figure out that girl is Alicia Fuentes, and Alicia Fuentes is the, I guess she's not technically the heir. Her brother's the heir to a really big drug cartel in Mexico. She is not a part of the cartel as of recently, but her brother is, and he is the current head, and he's also in jail. 
Okay, yes, and it was about this time where I was like, okay, obviously she had the whole, like, made the whole city have a power outage so that the jail would lose power and my brother could escape. That was not the cops' first thought. They were like, this is the cartel coming back or something, like, making a big splash under new ownership. Yeah, and what's funny, they, like, looked at her record and everything, and she was perfectly clean, like, did nothing wrong. And then they just jumped to, oh, she's she's in life now. Yeah. Not the, the, what I guess to us seems like the simple answer. Maybe she was just busting her brother out. Seems like it. I mean, that would be my first thought is like, hey, maybe we should ring up the jail and make sure the brother's still there. And then we can proceed with this investigation however way we would want. But that's not what they did. Instead, they went to the jail to interview the brother about his sister to see what plans she might have. Also, it seems like Sam really knows this guy. I don't know if this guy was, like, in previous episodes, but doesn't it feel like LL Cool J, like... Yeah, it felt like he knew he had, him. Like, he's yeah. probably the one who put him there. And then also the fact that, so, giving away the next part, they realize that's just a look-alike in there. And obviously, if the guards didn't notice, but Sam did, I make that's what made me think, like, he's probably the one who put him there. If he noticed that quickly, and they never noticed. Yo, or the guards were paid off to not notice. Yeah, or that. Because how do you not notice a high-ranking freaking cartel member is just gone, and they've got yeah. some dummy here? How much? I wanted to know how much that guy got paid to then be like, can you be my replacement in jail? Or if he was, yeah, or I wonder if he was already in jail, they just like switched cells or... I wonder how I that worked out. I don't know. I thought a lot about it because I was running while I was doing it. So I had a lot of time to think about anything other than running. And I was like, okay, so how do you convince someone to go sit in jail for you? Do you go, okay, you're going to replace me and then we'll have some guy replace you. And then you just keep going until there's a guy you don't like in there. And you're like, see a sucker. We're not. Do you just keep doing it? Like rotating? Yeah. Like I wonder- come back for you? I wonder what, like, the punishment is for sneaking into jail for someone. Because I wonder if, like, they just brought someone in who necessarily didn't, who didn't have, like, a record or anything. And that was going to be his punishment when he got to jail. And they, whenever they find out, it's just that he's going to stay for that crime instead of adding on to other crimes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't he know. Just, he just bit the bullet. Say it's, like, three. I assume it's not that much for impersonating someone else in jail i assume it's like three or like five years something like that malik how much would you have to get paid to go impersonate someone in jail it'd have to be enough to when i got out in like five years if that's the number to where i'd never have to lift a fucking finger again <laughs> what's the number i want to know how much <sighs> upwards of 30 million i'm gonna need a million 30 million yep I told you, I better not lift a finger. Jeff Bezos. I better not lift a finger when I get out. Elon Musk is going to go to jail and Malik's like, I'll be your stand-in. I got you, Elon. That's the only person that can afford you. Exactly. See, I was going to say two million, but I felt like, oh, that's kind of high. Mm -mm. I would maybe go 750,000. I'm telling you, I'm not working. When I get it, when I get out, that's it. 
Do you, I mean, but it's 700, uh, probably not. I guess that may not be enough to sustain you. Because yeah. then you have to think about when you get out, probably not going to be able to get a job. I don't know. It depends if they ever catch you, because if not, your record's clean. Fair enough. I Well, wouldn't they actually, like, catch you eventually when they let you out? And they, I don't know. they finger me. I don't know. I assume they fingerprint you again when they let you out to make sure you're the right person. They're like, who the hell are you? I don't know, because why would you ever think <laughs> that they would switch? That there would be a little switcheroo? That's true. I want to know if this has ever successfully worked. It's not a bad prison plan. Like a prison mm-hmm. like, break plan. Yeah, if you can so, get like, someone to do it, it's not... I'll keep that just, in mind. Yeah, you blow the electricity out at the the gel it goes dark and you just do a little switcheroo it's not a bad plan to be honest i when i was listening to all of this i assumed i didn't even know there would be a little switcheroo i kind of just thought the lights would go out and he would just escape and then the lights would come back on and it's like oh where did this guy go but no they did this so they did the switcheroo they're like oh no he that was the ultimate plan with the power outage and everyone watching was like duh but the cops were just figuring it out for the first time. And actually, Kenzie and Deeks, while Sam and um, whoever went with him, Callan. Yeah, something like that. They, so while they were at the jail, Kenzie and Deeks were going to go to the last place the sister lived. And it was like this house or whatever. And someone like ran through the garage while they were there. They ended up like arresting the sister, right? Yeah, or, yeah, they arrest his sister, but I think they kind of let her off easy. Yeah, because she was basically like, we didn't want this life. We were just born into it. Yeah, I think they let her off easy. I'm pretty sure she still goes to jail, but they don't, it's I mean, not like a super harsh. You have to, right? Like, you have to get, you blew the power outage in a whole city to free your brother from jail. That is illegal. Even if you're not about that life so all while all of this is happening we also have this whole side story for those of you that watch ncis los angeles just a quick reminder for y'all there's this whole side story of callan looking for finn because finn was not at the house that he was supposed to be at and he rented it out as an airbnb or something and now callan's like looking for him and he finds him in a van with something in the van. I forgot what was in Like it. a bunch of electronics. Oh, like he stole them. Yeah, I think he's assuming he stole them. Yeah. Uh, did he even find him in the van or just the electronics? Just the electronics. Yeah, so now he was like, oh no, he stole. I just still don't know who Finn is, though. I don't know. I thought it was his son, and then I thought it was some random street kid after. I really don't know who he is. I don't think it's his son, because from what I remember, Callan never had a girlfriend. Also, I'm pretty sure at some point in this whole series, Callan couldn't remember anything about himself. Like, his his name was, like, Callan G, because he couldn't remember what his last name was. I don't know. It was weird. I, I stopped watching for a reason. So that's like one backstory, and Nell's over here still trying to secretly decorate because this is what everyone needs. Also, side story is that I'm pretty sure Sam's wife just died. 
And so his kids are coming home for Christmas and they're going to stay on the boat. And everyone's like, no, stay with me. Stay with me. You need to have Christmas. And he was like, just leave me alone, alone, please. Yeah. Thank you. So that's all of our side stories. So then they arrested the sister. Then what happened? Malik. After they arrest the sister, um, she gives up where the, the brother may be. Which is, uh, I don't remember if it's her house or it's somebody's house. They say whose house it is, but I do not remember. Oh, so that's when they sent Kinsey and Deeks and someone ran through the garage. Yes, I think so. Either way, they okay. go to the house where, where what's the brother's name? Jose? Uh, sure. <laughs> I, think it, I think the brother's name is Jose. Either way. They get there, and the brother's having a birthday party, or not a birthday party, like a Christmas party for his son. Um, they go undercover, basically. It's just people helping around the house, so Deeks I forgot about is, this part. Yeah, Deeks is Santa Claus, I believe, and then the rest of them are pretty much waiters. And then they try to arrest Jose. Um, they knock out a couple of the cartel members, and then as they arrest Jose, he kind of just talks about how he just wanted to get out so he could basically see his son. That's why he escapes. Mm. And then they feel bad for him and they let him kind of have like 30 minutes with his son before they arrest him and try and basically kind of do it the easy way instead of him fighting and dragging him out in front of his son. Because part of what the sister said was that they saw their father arrested yeah, like the, the same, same way. way. Yeah, in the same way. And so then they were trying to be and like he was five when his father was arrested and saw him get dragged out. And so then the NCIS crew was trying to be like respective of that. And we're like, we're not going to do this in front of your son, which I feel like in real life, that definitely doesn't happen. No, I doubt it. Especially <laughs> just like, you're, you're coming with us. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about it. Freaking a top cartel member. And he's got all these security guards around. And they're playing patty cake with them. That doesn't happen. Yeah, Somebody, I was like, someone's going to get shot. Yeah, someone's got to get pulled up on and they're about to get shot. You're just going to trust the cartel to like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just lay down our guns in 30 minutes. Yeah, you're assuming no one else in the party isn't, a, isn't like a part of the cartel and doesn't have a gun on them. Yeah. I don't, this is, it was dumb. Like, just take him in, man. You did it the nice way by dressing up and going undercover. You could have just gone in, guns and badges a-blazing in front of everyone. I felt like that's, like, nice enough. Okay, so then we got our bad guy. Is that how it ends? Yeah, that's pretty much, that's basically how it ends. After that, they have the Christmas party, and then the, basically the second half of that backstory with, that Kid Finn was, he finds out that the toys aren't, one of the cops finds out the toys aren't stolen um, and that he was going to give them to some kids. Mm. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Okay, it that was my quickly. guess. I was like, there's no way that this guy is just stealing. He's like donating them. So did Mosley ever let them decorate? Did she get in the Christmas spirit? Yeah, she does let them decorate. And then she, I think she even helps them decorate. Or helps that one girl that you said earlier. Nell. Nell, yeah. She helps Nell decorate. And then there's so, some backstory there too, but I don't know it. Um, 
good to know that she's not like the Grinch. Because we just don't. We love Christmas on this podcast. I just went. I just went to Hobby Lobby yesterday and bought a bunch of Christmas decorations. It's the first year that we're actually decorating. That I've actually bought decorations for myself. So it's exciting. I'm just in the mood now. So are you ready to hear the story that shares similarities? See. With this NCIS LA episode. Give it to us. He was on his way home from Candletop. Been two weeks gone, and he thought he'd stop. At Webb's and have him a drink. For he went to her. Andy Wooloo said, hello. He said, hi, what's new? And Wu said, sit down. I got some bad news that's going to hurt. What, what said I'm your <laughs> what? What are you reading to me? <laughs> said I'm your best friend, and you know that's right. But your young bride ain't home tonight. Since you've been gone, she's been seeing that Amos boy, Seth. Now he got mad, and he saw red. Andy said, "Boy, don't lose your head, cause to tell you the truth, I've been with her myself." That was the cringiest thing I ever heard in my life. The way you read it made it more cringy. That's the night that the lights went out in Georgia. That's the night that they hung an innocent man. Well, don't trust your soul to no backwoods southern lawyer. Because the judge in the town's got bloodstains on his hands. Are you singing the song to me? Yes, I am. (laughs) Why are you singing that? (laughs) And why are you doing it like that? I wanted to see how long it took you to realize that. Well, the first part, I didn't know what you were doing. I, I was kind of getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Have you ever heard that Reba song? That's the night the lights went out in Georgia. Yeah, That's I heard the it. That's they hung an innocent man. Yeah. Well, I... don't trust your soul to no backwards southern lawyer. It's okay, you don't have to sing. Because the judge in the town's got bloodstains on his hands. Comment and Kenzie's singing makes your ears bleed. So when I was trying to look up the story of a power outage, this is all I could think of was the night that the lights went out in Georgia. So I thought I'd start by seeing how long it took you to realize I was singing the lights went out in Georgia. I thought you were For trying me. to like read me a poem that some serial killer wrote during this story. If you consider Reba a serial killer, then I was. Mm-mm. Oh, well. Sorry, Reba. All right. Okay. Well, this isn't a this story isn't about the night that the lights went out in Georgia, but it is about the night the lights went out in New York City. Mm. Which if you've been following along this podcast, We spent the last two episodes in New York City about the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Now we're still in New York City, and I promise one day we will leave New York City. But it has some real fascinating stories. So I'm going to tell you the actual story of the New York City blackout of 1977. 
What do you think New York City was like in the 70s? Mm. A lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my head. Very, like, businessy, snazzy people. Some fancy people in the 70s. I don't know. Are you thinking of the Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to describe? Basically. I mean, yeah, I could see that. But life in New York City was not that in the 70s. Life in New York City is probably not what you imagine. When we think of the 70s, we think of a free lifestyle, a fight-the-man lifestyle. We think of weed and less clothing and hippies and a cultural shift. However, that's not what New York... That's not what New Yorkers were experiencing in the late 70s. New York City was dangerous and desperate. A national recession hit New York City like a train. Between the years of 1969 and 1974, over 500,000 workers lost their manufacturing jobs. Which then caused 1 million households to rely on welfare. The mid-class fled the city for the suburbs. The city was on the the brink of bankruptcy. And in a last-ditch effort to recover, they reduced police and firemen, and teacher funding. However, this only hurt the city socially. Crimes such as rape, murder, burglary, and arson doubled within a year, and there was nothing a reduced police force could do to prevent it. Streets were left abandoned and desolate, giving the city an air of apocalypse. People were hurting, hurting for money, hurting each other, and hurting for a savior. Not only was this the setting leading into our story, but also the city was amidst an unprecedented heat wave with temperatures in the 100s. And to put the cherry on top, New York City in the late 70s was also the hunting ground for the notorious serial killer Son of Sam. Hmm. So is that how you pictured New York City in the 70s? Not at all, not at all. No, I was like, I just thought it it was a city that always thrived. I thought they were always great. I mean, I get that there's like poorer places in New York City, but I did. It was like all of the whole city was going bankrupt. How does a city go bankrupt? How does it say we ain't got money? Yeah, how's a city filled with like millionaires and stuff go bankrupt? Yeah, I don't know, but apparently it was bad, bad. So that's kind of the atmosphere we're leading into dangerous and desperate. So the scene is set, and our actual story takes place on July 13th, 1977. Okay, stay with me. We're going to get technical here, and I don't know if all of this makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I did my best, but feel free to ask any questions. Okay, at 8.34 p.m., a lightning strike hits the Buchanan substation on the Hudson River. This promptly tripped two breakers, but there was a loose nut that stopped the breaker from reclosing, so the power continued to flow. Okay, also, maybe I'll save it for the end. 
I have a story about a power surge myself, but I will save it to the end. Okay. Stop the breaker from reclosing. So the power continued to flow. Then another lightning strike hit the substation, which caused two more transmission lines to be overloaded. At this point, at 8.45, Consolidated Edison, the power company for New York City, tried to start a fast start generating station, but the remote start failed. So when they tried to contact someone at that station, they soon realized no one was there. Interesting. At 8.55 p.m., the unthinkable happened. A third lightning strike hit the Springbrook substation in Yonkers, which took out two more transmission lines. But apparently the Con Edison's control room displays were poorly designed because they were under the impression that these lines returned to service when only one of them did. This is a bad Con day. Yeah. How many... How... What is the... What's the probability of lightning striking this much on power stations? I don't know. A-Rod's not here. He's our Google guy. He's our Google guy. <laughs> can't be much. Do power stations invite lightning more? Do you think that has a greater chance to be hit? Because it's power? You know, you would think so. But at the same time, I feel like it doesn't happen enough for me to, to say that. So I, I could I just be making that up. I don't know. There's a good chance. Hey, no one's here to fact check us. So you know what? If people choose to believe that, that's their own fault, okay? Yeah, that's on them. They shouldn't believe everything we say. <laughs> okay. So, Con Edison was completely cut off from the generating station across the Hudson. And the remaining active lines into New York City did not have the capacity to handle the excess power coming in. So in my head, you tell me, in my head, this is how I'm imagining it. Let's say there's like, I don't know, 10 lines. And like, I don't know, six of them go down because of the lightning. So now all of the other lines are having to take on more power, but they can't handle it. It's what I'm gathering. That's that's what I think is happening. Okay. So less lines, more power, not good. Mm-hmm. And they don't have, yeah, and they don't have the, they're struggling to. Um, Transmit all the power. Yeah, redistribute it. So yeah. that. Okay, cool. Glad we're on the same page. Because I was reading the Wikipedia and I was like, all right, I'll say it, but I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Okay. It was abundantly clear to the operators of Con Edison what needed to be done. So they called up New York Power Pool, NYPP, and asked them to reduce transmission on their lines. But there was an unproductive misunderstanding. See, because of the bad displays, the Con Edison operators were under the impression the lines from the 855 strike were still open but the nypp operators could see that they tripped off and recommended shedding the load and so they kind of did this back and forth because they were all confused and they're like that's not what i'm seeing and this guy's like well that's not what i'm seeing and this and that so you know that took some time 
These two operators went back and forth and back and forth, arguing with each other, but never listening. By now, Con Edison was entering a new problem. The East River Power Facility needed to reduce their load, but the Astoria plant could not come into service. At 9.08, Con Edison started shedding load by 5%, but quickly went up to 8%. So what I think they mean by shedding load is like starting to turn power off or reduce power. I think that's that sounds right to me. At 9.19, the lead substation tripped off after the conductors overheated and sagged into an unidentified object. At 9.24, Con Edison operators started manually shedding load by dropping customers. But it was too late. The last of the interconnections to New Jersey tripped, leaving Con Edison power completely on their own. At 9.28, the largest generator in New York City, Big Alice, shut down completely and took the whole city with it. New York City was plunged into total darkness. Can you imagine that? That's a sucky city to be, like, in the dark in. And this is the 70s, so there's not, like, cell phones where you can just be like, let me turn my flashlight on. Yeah, imagine being, like, I've never been in New York, but there's, like, a lot of people that walk on sidewalks, right? And yeah. then just being on the sidewalk and it goes completely just dark. The whole, I mean, pitch black. That whole city had to be in like, that's scary. That'd be horrifying. Yeah. And then I imagine people started screaming. So people are screaming and it's just absolutely dark at night. The story I'm about to tell you, I feel like is maybe the real life purge. <laughs> Total darkness. JFK and LaGuardia airports were closed. The tunnels were closed. 4,000 people were stuck on the subways. Which seems like the absolute worst nightmare. Because they like cram into those bad boys. And you're just stuck there. For God knows how long. I think that might be my worst nightmare. Is, to be on the is being stuck on the subway? Yeah. Underground, squished in, claustrophobia at an all-time high. You know there's horrible ventilation. Yeah, because there's, honestly, I probably already hating being on the subway because there's too many people. And now the lights are off and people are screaming and freaking out. And you know that at least one person used the bathroom on there because they got scared. Broadway shows tried to continue. Behind the stage crews using flashlights on the side of the stage would light up the actors to keep the show going. The show must go on. To keep everyone... Or Wait, I skipped a sentence. It was the sixth inning of the Mets game against the Cubs when Shea Stadium went dark. To keep everyone calm, the organist at the game played Jingle Bells and White Christmas continuously. The game had to be postponed postponed until September. However, this wasn't the first time that New York City had a blackout. It had happened only 12 years earlier in 1965. In fact, that blackout was much larger, affecting Canadian provinces 
in other states besides New York. So it affected a lot more people. After that blackout, city officials praised New York citizens for their reaction and response to blackout, saying it was a point of pride the, city, the way the city came together to help each other out. But in 1977, that was a different story. It was the opposite story. This time, the people of New York were desperate and dangerous. They took to the streets and they started looting, taking anything they felt like they had a right to. Vernon Jordan, the executive director of the National Urban League, told the New York Times, quote, The underclass in a crisis feels no compulsion to abide by the rules of the game because they find that the normal rules do not apply to them. He's not Which, like, yeah, I mean, they felt like they've been screwed over by ev- everybody and everything and an economic crisis. They feel no compassion. They busted windows in, pulled locks off doors, filled grocery carts with anything they could get their hands on. They sent their kids to still forum. They set fires. Streets were engulfed in in thick smoke from the buildings set on fire. Mayhem. Complete mayhem in New York City this night. Many likened it to the riots on this night. Many likened the riots on this night to the riots of 1968 when Martin Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. The mayor, Abe Beam, declared New York City in a state of emergency. Extra police. Abe? Oh, Abe. Great Abe. Beam. B-E-A-M-E. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) He declared New York in a state of emergency. Extra policemen and firefighters were brought in and extra generators sent to hospitals. Police officers were instructed. Okay, here's the big difference from today's society. You ready? Police officers were instructed not to shoot or beat rioters, only to break up crowds and looters, just making sure nothing got too out of hand. But the truth was, New York City was in complete chaos. Hmm. Do you remember that scene in... in um? the the batman begins when like the scarecrow like drugs everyone Mm -hmm. and the city is just in sheer panic Mm -hmm. that's kind of what i imagine new york city to be this night just sheer chaos just absolutely just losing it just fires and rioting and looting and taking anything you want Looting is always crazy to me. I'd be a looter if it was in the city was in chaos. Let me just go ahead and get some chips. It was in like it was like in such chaos that people mugging people were also being mugged. So muggers were being mugged. Everyone was being mugged and looting and rioting. I'd be the after mugger. Go ahead they- and mug somebody. Get tired. Then let me just go ahead and get you while you're down. <laughs> They said that everything was taken from, like, TVs to clothespins. They were just taking anything. Yeah, I'd be the, the clothespins guy. I'd take all the small stuff. Clothespins? Mm-hmm. Take all, I, all the little things. I'd have a whole bunch of steaks with me. 
I almost don't. I mean, it's horrible. Like this whole thing is horrible, but you kind of get it. I mean, they're desperate, so desperate, losing their jobs, economic crisis, the lights go out. Yeah, it's like the the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, that's like all the articles you read and the people talking about it and the um not professional but the academics and stuff. They will all say like this was so bad because it was the accumulation of everything leading up to it. And this was just their response to the lights going out. At 7 a.m. on July 14th, power started to be restored, first starting with Queens, then Lenox Hill and Manhattan. By 10 10.39 p.m., all of New York City had their power restored. In total, the city had gone dark for 25 hours. Oh, damn. That's a long time. That's a long ass time. I mean, also, I mean, the sun came up. So it's not like they were in complete dark for 24 hours. And they said, like, essentially by the next morning it all stopped because you weren't in pure darkness anymore. I wonder how long it actually was just, like, pitch black. I assume from midnight-ish to, I don't know. Five, four. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, it had to be hours and hours. Yeah, to go outside and just not see nothing. This is how I imagine the purge. Yeah. It's just like, it's dark out, and we can do whatever the hell we want. No one's going to stop me. No one's going to stop me. In the daylight... And the power turned on. The aftermath of, they dubbed it, the Night of Terror, was so evident to see. 16,000 stores had been looted and damaged. 1,000 fires had been set. Around 3,500 people had been arrested just during the hours of the blackout. But the mayor wanted to play hardball and to prove a point. So he urged prosecutors to not offer a plea bargain, and not release them without bail. This meant that the court system and the police stations were overcrowded. So the city had to open up the tombs as holding cells, which I have heard that term from Law & Order SVU, the tombs. Mm -hmm. But they had previously been closed because they were too run down. So the tombs used were closed because they were too run down. But then the mayor was like, eh, 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 no one getting off. So we got to open these bad boys back up. But then the police officers were also like, um, excuse me, how are we going to feed all these people? Because the restaurants weren't open any, like, hadn't opened back up because they're still recovering from everything and Try, still trying to get the power back on and figure out their mess because I'm sure they got looted. So family members of the inmates had to bring their loved ones food behind to the ones that were in jail. And for those that didn't have loved ones, they lived off of coffee and rolls. That sucks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What do you think of this mayor that's like, no, no one's, no one's getting off. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he just doesn't know what to do. There's too much going on. He's, he himself is probably about to freak out. He's ready to go riot. 
And I feel like he's trying to make this point of, like, this is unacceptable in New York. But, dude, come on. These people are not... I'm going to assume, for the most part, these people are not bad people. Yeah, I'm going to assume they're not violent offenders. And I'm assuming most of them just jumped in on the looting once they saw everyone else do it. I feel like, okay, maybe make them pay something, but you know, most of them can't pay because we're in an economic crisis. But, like, just let them go, mate. Like, yeah, what are you proving? It's do not you even doing know anything. Who did what? It's more of a hassle to probably try and figure out who did what, like you said, and then get them. I don't even know. It just seems like more work than there needs to be over. I won't want to say over nothing, but over something that probably can't fully get figured out. That's like people. That's like if the police officers would would have arrested everyone. Like just anyone during the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. protest in 2020. Just like everyone. We're not sure who did what, but. Yeah, just rest them all. Like, that doesn't make... Granted, I mean, the Black Lives Matter wasn't illegal. And this one was illegal. Because you can't really just go out and steal stuff during a blackout. But I don't know. I mean, too many... Just just let them all go. Uh, Keep the ones that actually maybe had hurt someone. Yeah. Or caused serious damage or set a fire or something. But the ones that just sold clothespins, let them go. What a... Let them be. With all the rioting and looting and arson that took place on the night of July 13th, 1977, only one murder took place. This kind of shocked me. Really? Yes. Only one. 17 year old. What? Go ahead. I feel like that gives you even more reason just to let everybody go. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, they stole. Yes, they set fires. Okay, so maybe keep the ones that you can prove set a fire. But they weren't hurting for the most part. I mean, there was some mugging, but it's not like it's not like it was the purge when everyone was just being killed, basically. Yeah, being violent towards each other. Yeah. Seventeen-year-old Dominic Siscone was the youngest brother of four siblings. But by far the biggest, that's six foot and 250 pounds. With his strength, Dominic had dreams of being a boxer and he was sure, and he sure had the fighter mentality. He wasn't afraid to stand up to anyone that picked on the local girls or caused a ruckus in his neighborhood. On the night of the blackout, Dom and his two brothers were with some friends about half a block from the Siscon residence. All circled around a trash can they set on fire for just a shed of light. This is when I realized how dark it must have been. It was like there wasn't any street lights or anything. So they just lit lit the little trash can fire. No light from the moon or anything. I'm guessing it wasn't a full moon on this night. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Maybe that's why everyone went crazy. Out of nowhere, Dom turned to his brother Andrew and said, I think I was shot. And sh- and his brother, they were like playing with fr- firecrackers, I guess. And he was like, no, like we're just, it's just a firecracker. But then when Dom turned toward his brother, Andrew saw that a bullet had entered Dom from his back. 
Andrew saw a guy he didn't recognize take off running, and Andrew tried to chase him down with the man firing back at him during the chase, of which one bullet grazed just above Andrew's eyebrow. The man got away and sadly Dom passed before help could arrive. Investigators tried their best to find any lead as to who would do this, but the case went cold. Until 1997, when the investigator on the cold case received a call from a from two sources who claimed to have known who the killer was, but was too afraid to say the name, let alone their own names. This call came after the Brooklyn paper ran a story on the case. The investigator was confident they would call back again, but it never happened. The case remains open today, and if anyone has any clues or leads that may help the investigation move forward, the investigators urge them to call 1-800-577-TIPS. And that is the horrific tale of the night the lights went out in New York City. So it's still open. The murder. Yep, never caught the guy. I wonder what, like, wild stories police get from tip lines that just stay open. Yeah. And then I ones don't know. That are, ones that are true, ones that are lies, and then some that are, like, in between. Like, if they swim something crazy, but it's not all the way true, so they kind of just throw it to the side, but there's some deep, dark stuff into it. I wonder, like, it has to be someone's job to sit there and answer the tip lines. Because I assume that the the number I just gave was a general like tip line. Not sometimes they have one specific to the case at the time that the case happens. From what I've seen on Law and Order SVU, but this one I think is just like a general like. I think you can almost tip any crime to this hotline. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like just the one like this one where you can just basically call and say whatever. Like who's who's validating this? Or I wonder if there's. That's Pops what I'm saying. Detectives dedicated to just this. There has to be, right? Like, it's getting so many calls. There has to be someone's full time job to suss out who's telling the truth. I bet that there's something that they can, like, oh, you're calling about this crime? Let me ask you these questions. And if you can't answer them, then, like, you're lying. Yeah, because there's got to be some way that they, like, cipher through it. There's no way they can just like throw them all to the side if it's not what they want to hear. If they think it's too crazy or something, like you, there's no way you can't just not bet basically all of them. Yeah, unless they're like they were adopted like by aliens and I saw it, and then you're like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. That's no, when the FBI is listening, and they can say no, and then the FBI will go. They'll go check later. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh, you got an alien tail. About what are you talking about? Like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it's true, but like, I'll look into it just to make sure. Yeah, let me just take a peek. Yeah, like it's it's nothing, I'm sure, but you know, you never know. Oh man, the night that the lights went out in New York City. Okay, so let me tell you the story of my experience with a power surge. I've experienced what New York experienced. Kind of. Not really. Okay. So, I was just... What was I? Brady was in junior high. 
So I had to be a junior in high school. And, you know, I'm just getting ready for school, straightening my hair, watching a movie. It was probably the last Harry Potter movie or Twilight. And all of a sudden, the lights start flickering in the house. And I don't really think anything of it. I'm like, oh, maybe the light bulb's just going out. And so Brady gets up, and Brady goes to, like, <laughs> make uh, breakfast, and he's heating up Pop-Tarts in the microwave. And the, <laughs> the microwave starts flashing. Like, there's, like, sparks coming out in the microwave. And I guess my dad comes to the kitchen, and Brady's showing him. So my dad and Brady are just watching these, like, sparks fly in our microwave i'm just watching the lights in our house like flash on and off but apparently at some point our outlets start smoking so my mom starts to freak out she's like there's a fire i think at one point she was like there's someone in our attic (laughs) she was convinced that she could hear someone in our attic if she she'll listen to this and she'll be like that is not what I said but me and Brady stand by the fact that my mom was like there's someone in the attic someone needs to check the attic which only freaked me and Brady out more because like what do you mean there's someone in our attic (laughs) how is the person in our attic making our microwave spark and our lights flicker and then the smoke alarms start going off And so then she, like, turns, and then she's decided that there's a fire in our walls. That there's an electrical fire in our walls. And she's like, y'all just need to get out. You just need to get out. Just go to school. Get out. And, like, I was like, I don't have my backpack. My hair's half straight, half freaking curly. And she's like, no, no, just get out. Just go. Just go to school. And I was like, okay. And I'm in short, my shorts, because I have athletics the next period. Also, it's snowing. It's like one of the few days in Texas where it actually snows. And it snowed a lot. And it's insane because Texas canceled school at any idea that there might be snow. But not this day. They didn't cancel school this day. So I'm freaking out because my mom just kicked me out of the house. I have to take Brady to school and my cousin. And I texted my cousin. I was like, hey, can you walk over? And she's like, no, can you come pick me up? So I had to drive around on the highway. Also, I'm freaking out because obviously the ice are, the like, the roads are, are snowy and icy. And I've never driven in it. So I'm freaking out because I'm trying to make sure I don't wreck because I've never driven in the snow before. I don't know what I'm doing. So I get everyone to school. We have no idea what's going on at the house. And then they were like, hey, school's out because of the <laughs> snow. After we all showed up to school. And everyone's like so excited. I was like, I'm not because I'm not sure. I have a heater at home. It might be really freaking cold if I go home. And it turns out that my parents called the power company. I guess they spent a lot of time trying to figure out together what happened. And we had a power surge to our house. And it just like overloaded all of our power and made like our lights flicker and we lost like some of our like plugged in electronics because the outlet started like it overpowered them. So like we had a pencil sharpener. There was like a TV plugged in that stopped working. I had a Blu-ray player that didn't work after that. Interesting. That anyway, it was a wild experience. It I felt like I was living in the poltergeist. 
Someone's in the attic. <laughs> She'll tell you she did not say that, but she really did think that there was someone for a small moment. That or there was a fire in the walls. And we were like, would we not see the fire in the walls? The hell of a power What a power surge. story. Yeah. So that was my experience with the power surge. Our lights did come back on. What a time. Yep. All right, Malik, you want to close us out with a question? What's your opinion about Disney adults? I have a funny story about Disney adult too. Um, I, uh, this is a controversial. I mean, not my opinion. I think a lot of people share my opinion, but this topic is always controversial. I get the nostalgic feeling of Disney. I get like, if you have kids getting to take them there, um, I don't get going multiple, I get maybe going, like, when my kids are really young, and maybe when they're older and can appreciate it more, I don't get going multiple times within your lifetime, like, a lot of times, like, that's the only vacation I'm taking is to Disney, I, I, I don't get the dressing up, I, I, I don't get the whole, like, this is my whole personality is Disney. I think that's weird. Like, why haven't you grown out of it? Why is that your whole personality? Yeah. And it's weird. So, as far as, like, going multiple times, now I was on the same boat. But now I get why people go multiple times. For one, there's, like, five different parks. And they're all very separate from each other. And they're all freaking huge. So, like, I think of the five different parks, it's like five separate amusement parks. You can stay all day in one park and never go okay. to another one. So, I get the part about people going multiple times now. I get that. And if that's what you're doing. If you're like, okay, I haven't been to this park, I need to go. But if you're like, oh, I've been to all of them, and now I'm going again. Okay, that's my second part to that, is that there's so much in one park that you're just not going to do everything. So... And then I would say at least twice you would have to go because the first time you have to just figure shit out because that was what we were doing half the time and trying to figure out how the hell we're going to do anything or because you're going to want to like ride like the big name rides like Millennium Falcon, Guardians Galaxy, whatever. But then you're going to get there and it's like, oh, shit, that's a three hour wait. I can't wait three hours. And that's the only thing I do. And I'm only here for one day. And then that's pretty much my whole day. Like, that's it. I've waited three hours. I rode that one ride. It's not really feasible for me to do anything else because I still got to eat, like shop, do whatever. So that's kind of like my thing about why I get why people go back multiple times now. Because you can only do so much if you're only going for one day. And even if you just go for more than one day, it's still hard to get through just one park if you really want to do everything. Okay, I guess you've busted that misconception about Disney Mm -hmm. adults. It's just a lot. And then the other thing, and this kind of like, it kind of contradicts itself, but it makes sense. So Disney, it's so bad if you bring your kids. I don't even think, I don't think people should bring kids unless they can function by themselves. I'm not even joking. It just makes it, it's already a shit show. There's already too many people there. And if you bring kids that kind of like, they're not old enough to like function by themselves or if they get lost, you can't find them, whatever. It just makes it 10 times worse. But at the same time, it's supposed to be a kid place. But also, if you just go with all adults, I feel like everything would go so much smoother and you could do more of, like, what you would want to do. It would be a way better time, which kind of, like I said, kind of contradicts itself. It's a kid place, 
but it works better if there's just older people there. If there's not that as many kids. So you're kind of defending the Disney adult. Mm-hmm. Just are just, you are just, you a Disney adult now? No, fuck no. I hated. I mean, you did get engaged to Disney. That's very Disney adult of you. That's because it's it, it's a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a it's a wonderful place. <laughs> but there was. Are y'all gonna have a Disney themed wedding? Mm-hmm. We're thinking about doing Colorado. But we can we can touch on that later because I actually have questions for you about that. But yeah, I love that. Um. So yeah. So what would be your limit of like? Because you've kind of debunked some of the things I said about a Disney adult. What would be your limit? Where oh, I can't defend you. Any you're you you're full on ingrained and annoying Disney adult. The lady that we saw, we went the last place we ate. Was, I'm pretty sure oh. she was at Disney by herself. And she was like taking pictures of everything. She was obsessive. I think she took like, so the place where we ate, they had like some Disney characters walking around like Minnie and Pluto and stuff, and they just make laps. I'm pretty sure she like had like a full blown conversation with them every time they walk around and took pictures. You're, you're doing too much. You're too old. For no, that. there, no, no. There should be no adults taking pictures with characters. We took unless it's a family picture. Yeah, that was like the thing at this restaurant, though. But yeah, and we took like a family picture. Yeah, that, yeah. She was doing too much. The fact that, like I said, she was having a conversation. They're mascots—they don't talk. She's yeah. talking to them. They're just That's like weird. doing like charades or whatever, and she's talking to them every time they come back. Like, oh man, she's she's too far. But or I the just, adults that like have to take a picture with every character they see. I get that. Like you're like, oh, this was my childhood favorite. Like, I think when I was at Universal, I took one with, like, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. But to be, like, freaking out every time you see one, like, oh, my God, the Cinderella, we have to get a picture. Oh, my God, there's this one. I have to get a picture. And it's, like, these are people. You know they're not real. Yeah. There's honestly not as many, like, Disney adults as you would think. Most of them are just, like, average people. You could tell. Like, there's defeat on a lot, especially on the dads. There's a lot of defeat on the dads' faces. Like, they've been doing this all day, especially they got little kids from pushing, like, goddamn stroller all throughout this part. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think your kids, I get the fun in taking little kids to Disney, because that's their Disney phase. But also, I just feel like everyone would enjoy it more if they were, like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, it's weird that, like I said, it's weird that it's more of an adult place than a kid place. But even though it's based off of, like kids stuff and i think they're just baking really on all the nostalgicness Mm -hmm. of it of like we're just assuming that everyone grew up with disney at this point and it will still be fun for the adults because it's all everything they enjoyed yeah and honestly as a family thing but yeah i mean you know the nostalgia like part for me it really wasn't that much i think the the coolest thing about it all is just that they built like all these different worlds and you literally mm-hmm. feel like you're all in all the different worlds. That's the coolest part. Honestly, I could care less mm-hmm. about like seeing the Disney animals and stuff. Like I said, going to Epcot, you literally go to like different countries. When we walked by the Japan part or Tokyo, it felt like we were in Tokyo. It was really cool. I did hear that Epcot's like the coolest. That's the, that's an adult. We want yeah. to go back during like the food and wine festival. But Maybe that would be, like, the only Disney one I would do. 
if you would go if you're gonna go to Disney Kings, I think you would like that the most because you eat okay. like around the world. You do like the mm -hmm. go during like the food and wine festival, all that good stuff. But that's honestly the best part. It's just that it's amazing, like that they turn all these different places into different cities. Um, yeah. Star Wars was cool. Like the actual Millennium Falcon thing was cool. Mm -hmm. But like the nostalgia part, that's that's overrated. <laughs> that that's overrated. At the end of the day, it's just like people in costumes, whatever. Not that cool. But to yeah. actually see the structure, I I thought all the different structures were cool. That they actually built them was pretty nice. Yeah. Magic Kingdom looks pretty cool at night. Oh yeah. But. Well, that's cool. Maybe I won't hate on Disney as much. Yeah, don't hate on don't hate on it too much. All right, are you ready to hear what episode we're watching next week? See, we are watching. Do you want to guess? Mm, criminal intent. No, I'll let you guess again since A Rod's not here. Mm, back to SVU. No. Huh. CSI Miami. Damn, that was my third one. We're watching CSI Miami season six, episode seven, Chain Reaction. And I guess like we should have said this up top, but we didn't. As you may have noticed, there was not an episode of Crime on Primetime last week. That is because it was a holiday week. And this fool was traveling and getting engaged because he's selfish. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry. And A-Rod traveled home. <laughs> Also selfish. <laughs> and I was hosting my Dalton's family. Selfish. <laughs> yep, you know me. Um, I still am, but it was a busy week. So, and it was a holiday week and, yep, didn't get it out. So... I also didn't make an announcement on social media because we were too busy. And so I'm making it now on this Wednesday that you noticed last Wednesday that we didn't have a one. But if it you were wondering like, why, it was the holidays. Yeah, I'm sure they assumed it. They had to. Yeah. Was, yeah. We have smart listeners, right? right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, welcome back after being off for a month, Malik. It's good, it's good to be back, back to regular scheduled programming. One day we'll have you and A-Rod on again. It's It'll a busy like a time for us. Union re-episode. It's a busy time for us. Well, yeah, it is a busy time. So we'll see how this next month goes. But with that, I'm your host, Kenzie Huseman. This is Crime on Prime Time, and we are signing off. Say yeah. <laughs>